Welcome to Maps and Meta-Analysis. Looking at California cities. Hi, I'm Darvesh Gorhit. And I'm Justin Hurst, and this is Facts and Folsom. A Meta-Analysis. All right, Darvesh, this will be our first podcast where we talk about city council and what happened this week. Unfortunately, I was not able to make it on Valentine's Day, but um, I appreciate that you were able to go. Um, so I'll be asking you a lot of questions. Sure. Um, I guess to start with, um, I see that the first thing on the agenda was um, a couple of scheduled presentations. Um, so the first one was a uh, resolution of commendation honoring Chris Corda on his retirement, honoring Hacienda Del Rio for 32 years. I assume there wasn't much discussion with that one. Yeah, <laughs> there wasn't much discussion, but, but it was like a, it was kind of a good reminder that, yeah. you know, a lot of local politics is, is more than just punditry and, uh, yeah. you know, kind of like, getting a leg up on the other person or, you know, kind of espousing a political ideology. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it is really about these like microcosms that people form in their own little community. So I don't know. I, I thought that was pretty touching. Like like the previous city council meeting, there was like a little thing honoring the, like, um, I guess like the, football team, right? yeah, it's like the, the middle school football players mm -hmm. who had like GPAs above like, 3.5 or something like okay. that. So, okay. so I was like, oh, you know, it's like kind of wholesome. You know, it's like there, there's not much interfacing between like the community writ large and, you know, these students mm -hmm. uh, at once. So I, uh, stuff like that is, is always a, a bit heartwarming. It, it's, it's such a good tone, I think, for yeah. the meeting overall. So, but yeah, not, not much fanfare. No, um, no really like salient <laughs> political points made. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just I, I think Rosario gave like a, a few comments like, I, I believe she owns like a, a business as well. Like she owns a restaurant. That's so, what mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she kind of remarked that she had met uh, that owner like nine, ten years back, and apparently mm -hmm. he was like very helpful in getting her set up with like her restaurant and stuff like that. Okay. So that was, you yeah. know, it's kind of cool to to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. The next item um, definitely sounds like that could be a potential conversation. Um, it was the Folsom Tourism and Economic Development Corporation, otherwise known as Ted Corp, not affiliated with Ted X yeah. or uh, the Ted Corporation. Um, their quarterly report. So, um, what did they talk about in that quarterly report? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny because I feel like they didn't really talk about that much overall. Mm -hmm. It it felt very um, hand wavy from my perspective. A lot of it was just these like here are these principles that we're going to apply to like develop Folsom and like, mm -hmm. let's make this place business friendly. And I was just kind of sitting there the whole time thinking like, okay, like what does this actually like mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, but I, I think one thing I wanted to, well, one thing that kind of caught my, I was going to say caught my eye, but caught my ear, I guess, was um, they're planning to use the software called like Azartico mm -hmm. to measure um, how Folsom residents, or basically how people who are in Folsom like spend their money. So um, I, I'm guessing what it is, it's, it's like a software that maybe ties different like payment processors and things like that, that work in a certain geographic area. And that way you can kind of see like the net flow of dollars in and out. So um, in order for a software like that to get effective data, is it going to be any sort of city mandate that businesses start utilizing it or how is it planning to be rolled out? You know, that's a good question. I, they didn't give a ton of details. They just met, uh, mentioned that they kind of got that like software contract or something off mm -hmm. the ground. Um, so I imagine it's like a, you know, kind of like an arduous process. I don't want to say arduous, but like kind of a, a lengthy process to get it rolled out and things like that. I don't think there would necessarily be a mandate. I feel like the benefit is kind of 
symbiotic in many ways. Um, I think the business owners could probably use that data to like better attract customers to their like own business. Like for example, you know, maybe they like, you know, all the restaurants around them are getting uh, traffic, but they specifically are not, which suggests that like, okay, it's, it's not really something about like the, you know, your area necessarily, it might be something that like you specifically are doing. So, so and then, you know, you can kind of look at like your local area and you can be like, oh, hey, like, what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? That sort of thing. Do you think that incentive could cut both ways, though? Do you think there are situations in which a business owner may not want to share their data? That yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think I I'm trying to think of a case where uh, that might be the case, um, or or at least I I think it could be perceived that way. I'm not sure if like in actuality it is actually like a net um, reduction or something. Like I I think one one thing one argument that I could see is that. Um, let's say one business of the same type is making like much higher gross profits mm -hmm. and they kind of don't want their competitors to know mm -hmm. because then they might inquire like, okay, hey, how are they getting that? Or like, how exactly are these margins being made? You know, like, w um, what are they cutting that I can also cut? And, you know, it's kind of like a race to the bottom in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you have something like specific in mind, like, like a situation in which the, it might not be so symbiotic? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say from an economic standpoint why that may not be the case. If you, for example, maybe know that you don't have a lot of, um, a lot of traffic mm -hmm. and you're worried that that information being shared with the city council is going to be detrimental to you, mm -hmm. um, I guess maybe politically that could be a, a motivation. Um, if you're someone who just fundamentally doesn't believe in sharing that kind of data, um, I mean, I think I also inherently understand... Um, like I want to know more about the software and how it collects that information mm -hmm. because if it's in any way tied to different people's credit card information, mm -hmm. like then that's a huge security concern. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's something I don't expect you to know the answer to. So. Fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think oh, there's a lot of ways that these platforms can work. I, I think as far as like the purpose of it, um, the fact that you're trying to just measure like net ingress, ingress, egress of funds, it. Um, it kind of lends itself to anonymization a, mm -hmm. a bit easier. So based on what I understand from like a technical perspective, there, there's no particular reason you'd want to collect people's credit cards and stuff. Um, so you, you, you kind of just want to see like the net flow in and out and, and geographically where that's distributed. To what extent did you get a sense that this information will be shared with the business owners? Because I would imagine, you know, for like IRS tax data, like these mm -hmm. businesses will have to show like how much they have in sales in a given mm -hmm. year. Um, but if that information is potentially contradictory with what's being shared, mm -hmm. like, I'm just wondering what issues do you think could arise from that? That, you know, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Um, I, from the way it was phrased, uh, it didn't seem like it wasn't intended primarily for the business owners. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was primarily intended for Folsom to use in order to decide how to improve its economic development mm -hmm. of like, you know, are there any, like, systematic failures, um, I don't want to say failure, but like systematic ways that Folsom could improve in like certain areas. So, you know, maybe in the historic district, like certain businesses do fine, but there's like a handful that, you know, aren't, aren't doing as well. So more from that perspective, we're like, you know, what are the empirical successes and like, how do you, if you're planning to revitalize like a certain area, you, you ideally want to like carry over some of those successes from one location to another. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like I could, Imagine for a lot of like, you know, uh, primarily cash run businesses mm -hmm. that 
this data is not really something that you want to share because you know yeah. for the reasons that you mentioned like mm -hmm. um yeah it, it, it might cause like a lot of friction with like the actual operations mm -hmm. of the business um so yeah i don't know that, that's a tough thing for sure i, I didn't really consider that mm -hmm. but um I could see that definitely being a case for for not using this kind of software. So I imagine it'll be like an opt-in thing. Yeah. Um, if it's not like an almost like infrastructure thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I don't really see how it could be an infrastructure thing. Like payments is so privatized in the U.S. Mm -hmm. There's no um, like in India, for example. There's the service called like Paytm, mm -hmm. which was made by the government, um, and all like everything like Venmo is required yeah. actually to use that as like the infrastructure layer. But we don't have anything similar, which is like has pros and cons. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's enough on that topic. Um, we can move on to the next thing, which was an update by the Folsom Alliance for the Unhoused regarding homelessness. So um, what was their update? Um, yeah, I think their, their update was basically, um, a, a lot of it was anecdotal, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of it was just sort of like how they fit into the larger ecosystem of um, kind of unhoused like uh, organizations that deal with the unhoused across the Sacramento area. Um, obviously, they're like Folsom specific. Yeah. Um, and so within that, I, I guess there were a bunch, of, I really should have taken like slightly more detailed notes, but the one I was most familiar with was the um, the HARP program, which mm -hmm. um, I believe uses like a, a church or something like commercial building at, uh, to provide beds for like men, women, and children. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think with the primary requirement being like sobriety. And so the idea is that they, you know, you, you have a place to stay overnight, but you're not kind of required to live there permanently. Mm -hmm. So it's almost this like, how do you close, how, how do you add more points in the spectrum between being completely unhoused and completely housed? Mm -hmm. um, is the motivation there to encourage the unhoused to seek to work towards a place that is permanent residence? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, the main idea is that uh, you can centralize a lot of the services that mm -hmm. the unhoused would need. So things like uh, medical care, um, you know, access to finding a job mm -hmm. or access to finding a, like more permanent housing. And so the idea is to say like, okay, instead of going out and talking to these, each of these people separately and kind of hunting them down one at a time, mm -hmm. um, uh, hunting down in, in, in the sense of like searching for them, right? They, yeah. they might be like mm -hmm. uh, transient within the Sacramento County, for example, mm -hmm. right? They, they might have like an encampment, it gets taken away, they move somewhere else. And so it's hard to kind of, keep track of that person, yeah. you know, even if you want to kind of keep a long-term connection. Okay. So yeah, I think the idea is to, to basically centralize the services and, and have a way for people to kind of ease into uh, housing basically. Okay. Um, and then one of the things that they mentioned was, uh, I guess there is a building in Folsom, which a variety of organizations around the Sacramento County basically uh, like own the buildings. So mm -hmm. essentially they, they just pay market rent for the building. Mm -hmm. um, and in in return, I think uh, unhoused people can apply to live there for it was like a pretty lengthy period of time. I, I think it was like up to five years. Oh wow! Um, so I, they, I don't, they track that time then. I believe so. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because they, they need to. Because also, I, I believe there's like a sobriety requirement. Oh, actually, yeah. uh, in that case, there might not be. This is actually one of the debates that that came up during the mm -hmm. city council meeting. Um, there was, um, I, I guess, there was a miscommunication about like what. Folsom's involvement in that was. Mm -hmm. So apparently, from what I understand, Folsom didn't give a, um, originally it was stated that like, uh, Folsom gave like some sort of loan 
and then that loan kind of helped kickstart this program. Mm -hmm. But apparently, it was through um, the Home Key program in okay. California. Yeah. So, so California, the state of California, gave like a primary loan. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe the way that Folsom is involved is uh, maybe a couple of years ago they allocated about fifteen thousand dollars, and that fifteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars has been used for uh, that market rate rent for those four okay. buildings. So I think they said it's something like eleven hundred dollars a month. These are basically like four studio apartments. Mm -hmm. um, so is that total or per unit? Per unit. Okay. Per unit. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't. They didn't mention exactly how that fifteen thousand was allocated. Mm -hmm. You know, across the however many months, um, across mm -hmm. those four units. But you know, presumably they they either use them for like just that period or spread it out over like a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think the grant from California was on you know on the order of like millions of dollars. Okay. So it's definitely like a huge uh, difference. Um, also, one thing that came up during that meeting was um, uh, Sacramento County is like point in time counts. Mm -hmm. So uh, they do these things called pit counts, where basically they say like, hey, at this point in time, um, how many unhoused people are there? And kind of geographically, where are they located? How do they get that data? Um, they basically just like people who work for these various organizations. Like so it's like a, at the intersection of social services? Uh, I what do you mean by that? Like, so my, my point being, it relies on information that is gathered from um, essentially people that work with the unhoused mm -hmm. um, and provide services for them. But the point that I'm trying to get to is um, some of that data can be criticized as underrepresentative of the population mm -hmm. because there are those who don't seek services. Uh, th that's true. I, I, I guess yeah. what they did, though, they, they like actively went out. Oh, okay, so yeah. a little more involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't like necessarily people coming to service centers. Although I think your point is valid because mm -hmm. uh, they mentioned that the the pet count in twenty twenty two for Folsom was like twenty. Um, oh wow! Whereas the um, the leader of the the Folsom Alliance for the Unhoused mm -hmm. mentioned that uh, based on her ride-alongs with like the Folsom PD, mm -hmm. which she does like pretty frequently, so she has like a much better mm -hmm. idea of you know kind of like the ongoing statistics and the ebb and flow. Yeah. She meant she said that the count is somewhere. Uh, between twenty and thirty-five. Okay. Uh, so not not very different in absolute terms. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not sure, and I'm not sure like how that percentage difference would like scale up mm -hmm. across like Sacramento County. Um, obviously, it's like it's like harder to do a, a ride along for like an entire county because yeah. there's so many like jurisdictions and things mm -hmm. like that. So getting that kind of real time data might not be good. But 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 it seemed like they were, you know, kind of close close enough in in, yeah. in a lot of cases. But yeah, maybe you, if it's like low enough, you can kind of get away with, mm -hmm. you know, undercounting or, mm -hmm. um, you know, basically erring on the lower side of an estimation. Well, I do think in this sense for some place like Folsom where the number is objectively, I would say, low compared mm -hmm. to like Sacramento, mm -hmm. um, I would say undercounting poses less of a risk mm -hmm. just because that, like the magnitude of services difference from 20 people to 40 people, mm -hmm. and say it was like undercounted by half, mm -hmm. is dramatically different than like the risk of undercounting in Sacramento. It's like, yeah. You know, you count like I don't know, say two thousand homeless people when really there's five. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that that criticism is a little more broad than it is applicable to Folsom. Yeah, that, that that's a good point. I, that yeah. that's pretty much like my takeaway as well. Um, mm -hmm. Is that it's it's not like a grave issue or something. Not like we should you know we shouldn't like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. The fact that these counts are going on was really um, really motivating mm -hmm. to me. Um, however, I kind of wish these types of numbers were more public mm -hmm. and um, you know because each of these metrics is not perfect in and of themselves mm -hmm. but I think at least if the public had an awareness of like okay we're doing these pit counts 
they're happening once a year, they're happening like this time of the year. Yeah. Um, there, I think, would be because I don't think a lot of people are against like collecting information necessarily. Mm -hmm. It seems like to lie at that, you know, apolitical level a bit, mm -hmm. where people are like, um, yeah, sure, like you know, we need to know like exactly how many homeless there are and like how many mm -hmm. of them are um, addicted to drugs, like what kind of drugs are most prevalent in these communities. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of motivating to see that. I, I think for me. Yeah, it would be nice to have some sort of like, you know, pit count per quarter almost mm -hmm. per year. Yeah, I think um, one year is a very broad range. Yeah, exactly. Because I imagine there's a ton of seasonal shifts, mm -hmm. right? Like so, what services you offer in the winter may be different than the summer. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in that sense, because um, this area gets like so, you know, just like crazy hot sometimes mm -hmm. that summer actually might be like a great time. Yeah. Because, you know, essentially you could like have these services like cooling centers and things like that. Mm -hmm. that, that, might, that might actually give you a much more robust representative count. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's like maybe maybe people are more unhoused in the winter. Like if, one thing that, that the sort of the heart program uh, brought to mind was the fact that, yeah, I guess you can be like seasonally unhoused. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the idea that people could find temporary work for, you know, times of the year have enough money to, to live somewhere, to rent a place, and then, you know, all of a sudden, like, not have enough money to yeah. be housed or something and be, like, living in their car. So... Well, it, surfing, it, it, I feel like that's something yeah, that people don't understand that that counts as townhouse. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's... I, I think we often think of the unhoused as, like, a very binary thing of, like, mm -hmm. you're either just completely destitute or you're, like, a completely functioning member of society. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, really, there's, there's a whole spectrum, and it would behoove us to look at all points on that spectrum and, and try to get try to just nudge people further in the house direction like in whatever way we can um, yeah so yeah cool well i think that was a pretty robust item to discuss mm. um, i'm sure we'll hear more about that in the future especially because um i imagine they give regular updates yeah yeah i, I believe it's quarterly but um okay. yeah I, I definitely want to reach out to them um I, i'm a huge fan of like mutual aid groups in general mm -hmm. and so i i generally tend to prefer that over charities and things because yeah. just, I don't know, kind of grassroots coordinated labor can go a much further way in mm -hmm. many cases. Okay. So. Well, the next thing on the agenda um, was the consent calendar and, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'll just explain this since this is our first time doing the city council mm -hmm. debrief. Um, generally speaking, a consent calendar is something I've worked with before. Um, it is considered um, items that are uncontroversial or routine. So an example being the number one thing on the consent calendar this week was the approval of the previous meeting's um, minutes. So um, generally speaking, um, things that are on the consent calendar are passed in mass without a lot of discussion unless someone has a problem with one item or wants to discuss it more than they'll pull it out of the consent calendar and discuss it as its own item. So um, I guess my question for you then mm -hmm. is, um, was there anything that was discussed further on this consent calendar or was it all just passed? Uh, do you mind if I actually check? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think the... Uh, yeah, I actually believe all of these were... Yes, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I was wondering actually whether this um, oh, number 13 was, was in the consent calendar, but yeah, turn that up on, so... Okay, well, before we get to 13, okay. uh, number 12 um, is the first item and only item of new business for this week. Resolution 10988 is a resolution of consideration of the City Council of the City of Folsom to amend the rate and method of apportionment for improvement area two within the City of Folsom Community Facilities District Number 23. 
Folsom Ranch and related matters, which I'll add, I live there, and that was a very long title to figure out that I lived there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I remember this, actually. Um, one of the interesting things, actually, about this was that uh, I guess this tax that was levied is actually levied on a per-acre basis. Interesting. And it's levied on a uh, sort of per-acre per type of building. Mm -hmm. So a single-family home actually gets charged way differently than like a multifamily housing mm -hmm. occupying the exact same area and so, I, I think it's a it's a pretty significant difference yeah. it's like a 15-fold difference or something just really quick um how is single family housing defined versus multifamily because i mm -hmm. have an inclination that mm -hmm. i fall into the single family home even mm -hmm. though i um have like a lot of people living in my house oh uh, yeah yeah no that's actually a really good point yeah. yeah i think that this is often like a yeah this is a really good distinction to bring up so yeah. um Single-family homes is is what you would think of typically as like a suburban home. Okay. Right. So, yeah. um, it's it's like a uh, it's a house. It has its own kind of separate water line, sewage line, mm -hmm. gas line, so on and so forth. Um, you have typically like its own garage. Like you don't have shared parking and yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, that's typically what's meant by a single-family home. It's like that unit of living is isolated completely from all of the other units of living yeah. in every kind of like measurable way right mm -hmm. like that you have a, a fence that's kind of surrounding also oh, wait actually slight tangent but okay. i actually didn't know that fences between houses were a very like it seems like a very like western united states and california specific thing mm -hmm. i remember visiting uh, we visited some family friends in connecticut and almost no one had fences oh. between their houses like was the it just lawns connected yeah it was just like all one big oh. kind of lawn and okay. the, the only cases in which it were was different was when people kind of made the discretion to cordon off like a certain area like for example if they have like a, a pet that they were afraid of yeah. you know, that was like kind of young and you know maybe it might get lost or something like that yeah. or if they had like a like a children's like play area or something like that mm -hmm. they didn't want it like kind of exposed to the elements a lot of times yeah um so yeah in that sense the, the single family that that aspect of single family homing is, is actually not consistent across the United States okay. which, which I thought was like kind of fascinating yeah. but yeah but in basically every other metric it's it's you know, everything separated. Okay. Uh, whereas multifamily housing typically means, um, I guess it, it, it could be single story in, in that sense. Like it's not really a function of height, but it's this idea that you have kind of one set of utilities and things, but you can have multiple dwellings that are kind of attached to the same overall structure yeah. where uh, multiple families can live kind of independently of one another, mm -hmm. but in, in the overall same structure. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you, you should actually uh, maybe a, a sort of concise description would be uh, multifamily is you share the same roof, but you live separately, or single family is like you you share the same roof and you would live together if you were. So when you say separately, you mean like the walls between? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like separate dwellings, same roof. Okay. Gotcha. Um, whereas in, in yeah, in single family cases, I guess same dwelling, same roof. So similar to an apartment in that sense, then. Yeah, yeah. Mo most apartments would, most apartment complexes would be considered uh, multifamily housing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, w within that, there's there's basically like things that are zoned for specifically like only housing, mm -hmm. and then uh, mixed use zoning is basically where you say that um, you know some land area can be used for both commercial and residential, um, and in a lot of cases, like the first floor might be residential because that's like most convenient to kind of walk in and out of. And then the subsequent floors are for residential. Okay. Yeah. 
So for this resolution um, that we tangent off of, um, what was the proposed amendment? Uh, I, I think the, the proposed amendment was basically to uh, keep the tax like increasing at a steady rate, but capped at, I think like, it, it could raise no more than 4% a year. Um, was it linked to inflation at all? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think it was linked to CPI basically. Okay. So it was like it was like some some proportion of CPI, which is consumer price index for anyone that doesn't know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, so, just uh, think your your common goods all indexed together, and it's based off that as a proxy for the cost of living. Yeah. Yeah. We we should actually have a conversation about that at some point because it, it's like a surprisingly, um, it, it's a surprisingly doctored metric, mm -hmm. but one that kind of flows into a lot of downstream things. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Social Security is like a great example of something that's affected heavily by the CPI. Mm -hmm. um, but something that's like not affected would be like the minimum wage. Yeah. So you would think like the minimum wage should kind of like keep up with CPI, right? Like if you inflate more, then mm -hmm. naturally the, the floor should increase, but those things are kind of decoupled. So yeah, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, but basically it was to say like, hey, you know, can we increase these taxes at a certain rate and on a per acre basis based on all these different types, mm -hmm. um, you know, such that it would, I guess, like fund all the different, um, like amenities and stuff that that place would need, you know, so like sewage, water. Or yeah. So was it a part of this resolution, um, to directly tie the revenue generated by that to any sort of development or is it just go to the general fund for the city to the uh, best of your knowledge? To the best of my knowledge, it goes to the general fund. It didn't okay. seem like it was allocated. I mean, it seemed like the projection was like very far out. But I think yeah. they they projected the that this would go on until 2079, 2080. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, city council. Well, yeah. well past the length of this podcast, I imagine. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, it, it, it seemed like one of those kind of um, yeah, just like really distant things. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it, it kind of passed without much fanfare. It was, okay. it was a pretty unanimous. Um, I, I think there were some clarifying questions, but nothing. I would imagine homeowners would be the most vocal people questioning it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it seemed... But that's true, right? I guess they're... I, I'm not sure how many um, homeowners from Folsom Ranch were there. Um, this time it was definitely much more sparse. Okay. Um, a lot well, of Valentine's Day, so... <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, and a lot of people also like whenever they attend the meetings, they kind of just attend for like their little like segment or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So for example, like the the TED Corp, like they attended for their little sliver of time, and then they sort of they were just like, okay, now we're done with our thing, we'll just like leave. Yeah. So yeah, very few people. I didn't recognize many people from like the last time I came, so mm -hmm. it's not even the case that people come consistently. Um, so yeah, maybe it was just underrepresentation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, maybe, who knows? Maybe once the tax actually gets implemented and people see the bill, yeah. they people start coming. Start protesting after yeah. the fact, which I guess, you know, without getting too much into it, really speaks to the importance of continued engagement if you feel like you want to have an mm -hmm. active role in the community because you have a vested interest and yeah. a stake in it. So yeah, and a lot of these things yeah. just have you know such long, um, long processes for for kind of good reason, right? Like I, I think democracy is. Kind of inherently fragile and so you need to like build in these things that have like inertia to them yeah. where you know it's like you can't just like have like um you, you can't have like a direct democratic vote on like a budget in like a day or something right? it's just like not a sustainable which we can also you know have a huge conversation on bureaucracy yeah. and the nature of bureaucracy itself but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean 
one of the goals of this podcast also was just to demystify all of this to make it more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll meet you halfway so you don't have to understand all the minutiae. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, the fact that you couldn't figure out that that was like the area you lived. Yeah. yeah. Like just this like word salad of... Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure that there's a structure there for just like, you know, formatting and like it's mechanically constructed. So I'm not saying it's like, oh yeah, it's terribly worded, like they should like yeah, be yeah. more concise. But I think that's um, that speaks to a larger problem that we don't really have time to dig into right now. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just, we'll go next to the um, item that you mentioned earlier, old business number 13, the discussion of the city council budget priorities. So, um, as I understand it, this was probably the meatiest part of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what really was this discussion about? So, um, from, from what I understand, the basic process is like this. Uh, the city manager is in charge of uh, creating a preliminary budget, mm-hmm. and then the uh, council basically gets to uh, debate the different line items in there, um, get to say, hey, we want to reallocate this money there, we don't want to allocate funds here, what are we going to do with the remaining funds, so on and so forth. And so this was the kind of one of the earliest steps in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there's just some sort of like formality where the city manager asks the council members, hey, do you want to adopt this budget? And I can kind of see why that would be confusing because it almost implies that like I have a budget and you're mm-hmm. kind of agreeing to it on some level. And so, um, you know, most people adopted without much fanfare, yeah. uh, but there was one council member, and I oh, swear I'm, I'm gonna like totally butcher her name, but like, was it Rorbo? Oh, here, if you want to read it, it's the second one. Oh, Rorbo. So R O H R B O U G H. So like, Bo is in. Hey, yeah, Rorbo. I'm, I'm gonna go with that for now. Rorbo. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'll go with Warbow. That, that sounds like more... I would say Bo, personally, but, I mean... Okay, I'll, I'll Apologize, Apologies to yeah. the city council member, yeah. Arnie Wallace, who shares this name before butchering it. Yeah, uh, I'll say Warbow for now, but, yeah, we'll, we'll correct the record accordingly. Yeah. Um, and so, so, yeah, basically, she uh, took this chance as, like, an opportunity to um, make a couple of uh, key points about the budget. So one of her core arguments was that... Um, the city's actual revenue has exceeded its expected revenue over the past you know, 10 years or something like that. Okay. And so one of the claims that she's making is that whatever was in the budget was for the expected revenue. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the, um, the excess revenue has been consistent for so long and has not been factored into the overall budget so far, that that constitutes excess revenue. And, and she basically had a plan of like, hey, I, th- this is where I would like to allocate this excess revenue mm-hmm. um, in addition to repleting the um, kind of emergency funds, which were slightly depleted during COVID, but primarily depleted during the great financial crisis. So, so the crux of this is basically to amend the way that they're projecting the budget um, in a way to incorporate the fact that there have been a lot of runovers in terms of revenue and possibly create new programs. Um, I think a lot of her argument was not to create new programs. It was more so to use these the excess funds that have, had accumulated up, up until this point for mostly one-time expenses okay. and then a few ongoing expenses. So I, I think the main things she mentioned were um, a couple more uh, police officer and firefighter positions that would be considered ongoing expenses. Mm-hmm. However, I would like to add that um, 
so she, she went on for, for, you know, kind of like uh, a good chunk of time about this because she was explaining like which constituents she talked to and how she yeah. kind of came to this decision. Okay. Um, however, the, the city manager did uh, correct this matter. And so, again, I'm not like informed enough on like the minutia of the budget, and this is maybe something that we can like dig into in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the city manager basically made the, the point that uh, during the great financial crisis, the emergency reserves for the city of Folsom had been depleted to about 6%. Oh wow! And the I believe the recommended amount is fifteen percent, mm-hmm. um, okay. and I believe the city of Sacramento or maybe the county of Sacramento actually has like a recommendation of like like thirty percent or something like that. So it varies a lot, and Folsom is definitely on like the lower end of that, even with respect to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the argument that the city manager made, uh, I believe her name is like Elaine Anderson. Um, I'm like uh, pretty uh, confident about that because I I was okay. closest to her name nameplate thing. Oh, yeah, so, okay. Um, anyway, she, she basically made the point that, that um, yes, the revenues were in excess, but those excess revenues were used in order to replenish that depleted emergency fund. Okay. So it, it was at 6%, and over a period of time, they had replenished it to about 15 16%. Mm-hmm. But they want to get up to the county levels? Um, I'm not sure that they want to get it up to the county level. I think it's like hovering right around 15%. It might have dipped slightly below that okay. um, due to COVID. Um, so like in 2020, they, they might have depleted it, but then realized they didn't need to deplete it nearly as much as they thought. Yeah. So th- that was the sort of counter argument was that, mm-hmm. hey, these are not like excess funds in the sense of like, we just have like a pile of money sitting around yeah. that's like, that hasn't been used or something. Mm-hmm. It, it's more so that like, hey, we had this deficit in this separate fund, which is not the general fund. Yeah. And the excess in, excesses in the general fund mm-hmm. were reallocated to this emergency fund to replete it back to the level yeah. that it should be in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that, that really clarify, clarified it for me, but I did think it was a bit annoying how much back and forth there was. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like it got pretty heated, like almost like personal to some extent. Okay. There was basically, I, I think an accusation against Councilmember Rorbo, Rorbo that, um, you, you know, she, like, uh, something, you know, almost, like, beyond a faux pas, like, this had, th- th- this was, like, against, like, the, the, the city's charter, and that she was mm-hmm. kind of, like, infringing on this, like, um, you know, like, the due process that has to take every, place every year, and, like, mm-hmm. almost like she stepped over a line. Um, or just didn't go in normal procedure. Yeah, exactly, didn't go in normal procedure, and, and I... I, I sort of understand both cases. I, I think the way it was approached was very kind of accusatory from a lot of the other members, or at least that's the, that's the tone that I kind of interpreted. I, I think it could have been clarified with the comment that um, Councilmember Anderson made towards the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if she just like, like said that at the beginning. Wait, Councilmember or, or, uh, or sorry, the, the, the city manager yeah. Anderson. Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. I think if the city manager just like made that comment at the beginning and is like, hey, I, sorry, I, I know this whole adoption process is a, a, a bit of a misnomer, but it's just procedure and you will have time to, um, like, you, you will have time to make comments and adjustments to the budget in May. Like, like that would have resolved this like, whole situation and instead it kind of dragged on for like 20, 25 minutes of a lot of these like, very like, mm. veiled and polite accusations, um, which were, I, again, I, I didn't really sense any like, true animosity per se, mm-hmm. but it was like, there was clearly this like tension rising and you can tell that they were like they wanted to be like extremely respectful mm-hmm. but they were also like no i want to like get my point across yeah sort of thing so that was it was 
entertaining okay. a bit, um, but but also really informative. And, and we'll actually talk about this on a future episode, but it was really informative to see the dynamic between the city manager and the council. Because usually the city manager doesn't really like say a whole lot or like mm-hmm. you don't really get a great sense of like where that boundary lies. Yeah. And this was like one of those very salient examples of like, okay, someone from the council had kind of hmm. almost like crossed into the the city manager territory. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was sort of like, you know, there was like an immediate reaction to it. So so I guess um, the only point I'll add on that is um, the dynamic between the city manager and the council and mm-hmm. the mayor in particular um, is something that will be very interesting to dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on what kind of system your city has, there's the weak mayor system and the strong mayor system. Mm-hmm. Folsom has a weak mayor, but we won't really get into the differences yet in this episode. <laughs> Um, it, it influences the power dynamics between the city council, the mayor, and the city manager. So mm-hmm. I guess um, I do think that will be an interesting topic to talk about. Um, another interesting topic to talk about will be just the budgeting process. Mm-hmm. I think that's an episode we should have sooner rather than later because that is very important to the city and mm-hmm. also very important to my interests. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it would definitely be a, a great idea to talk about it whenever the pre- preliminary budget comes out. Because mm-hmm. I think then mm-hmm. you know, we could actually have like a concrete thing to talk about. We could basically be well, like perhaps maybe right before the budget comes out so oh, okay, okay. into the budget when it's released. I see. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe even have like two two ones. So mm-hmm. um yeah I, I guess I'm not sure if we've mentioned this before, but basically on like the weeks that there was a city council meeting like this week, we talk about the meeting itself and then on the off weeks we have, you know, kind of a more topical thing that's not related to any particular meeting or line or agenda item. Or an interview if we ever have those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. So um yeah, I think maybe it would be prudent to have two, maybe like a primer on the budget mm-hmm. and like a deep dive into the budget itself. Yeah. So that way we can we, we can kind of point people to like, hey, if you need a primer on like what goes into this, like watch this episode. Yeah. But now that everyone's kind of in prime, like let's dig into the details. Yeah. So I think that's something that we really want to address is, is not only demystify things, but really go into a level of depth that people want to see and hear, right? They, they don't just want these like, pandering statements of like, oh, I'm going to like balance the budget, or like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's like, you know, what, where is the money actually being allocated? And one thing I was like really fascinated was like, I think it's like 20, like 50% of the budget is allocated to fire and police. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure how common that is, but in a budget of like a hundred million dollars, that seems like a pretty extraordinary amount of money. Um, yeah, I have to do several episodes on budget-related matters because yeah. it seems like there's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. the more specific details. Yeah, and with with the fire, I guess I could kind of understand because I could imagine like maybe a lot of those that work is being dedicated to forest fires and Cal Fire and things like that. I think like, anything in California, you're going to see higher fire budgets than perhaps other states. True, but but I guess I don't know how much that bleeds into Cal Fire, and, and mm-hmm. you know, would it would it just be better to have that money directly go to Cal Fire rather than Cal Fire being like, hey, let's work with all these like independent municipalities and things like that and like try to coordinate them. Instead of just being like, hey, Cal Fire, like just go cut down some trees and like fight whatever fires and buy like any equipment that you want so that way you can kind of benefit from the economies of scale of, you know, these various like tools and things. Okay. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, that was um, pretty much everything else on the agenda. Was there anything else to discuss after old business? Um, no, I, I think once this item was proposed, everyone just kind of had some like closing comments and okay. th- some of them were kind of funny. I, I think council member Koslov or like, man, I should really make some flashcards for these names. Well, well, oh, Kozlowski. Kozlowski had a funny comment. He was like, he was just like advocating everyone come to a full stop at the stop sign. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I mean, I'm definitely an advocate for that. I know it's called a California stop rolling through a stop sign, but it doesn't mean because you're California, you have to roll through a stop sign. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I guess I didn't know how uncommon it is in other places, to be honest. I kind of just assumed like everyone did it to some extent, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems like particularly. I, I don't know why we're so impatient. Or well, we're busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. it people had some like right. funny comments. Um, any other any other thoughts that we didn't get a chance to cover um, based on the agenda? Um, not really. I guess um, we we probably will do presentations at mm -hmm. the city council meeting at some point, and so um, I don't know. I'd love to record them somehow and like incorporate them into the podcast, but I'm not sure what the rules are about like. The city council record their meeting. I believe not. Ever since okay. they stopped doing the like remote versions. Um, but it seems like they have like a pretty good like PA system and they have the slides at least. So I think even just the slides plus audio mm -hmm. could be a, a useful thing. Or, you know, maybe we could have the, um, we could kind of like screen record and um, maybe like record the audio on our phones or something just to have like a duplicate. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out the technical details. Yeah. Um, I imagine there's going to be at least a discussion on our part during our debriefs where we talk about what we talked about. So, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I would really love to give a presentation. Um, I really like the idea of like making open source like mapping software for yeah. stuff. Um, How far in advance are the city council agendas in your experience released? Uh, I think it's usually like a few business days before. So okay. you just like if the, maybe it's like the Friday of like the week before or something. Because the okay. meetings happen on Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, maybe like the Friday. What you said is the second and, and what? what second and fourth, fourth Tuesday. Tuesdays? Of okay. every month. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I don't think they release like a full year schedule ahead of time, mm -hmm. which is kind of annoying. And I kind of wish it was just like bi-weekly. Yeah. They just like gave a calendar or something. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Cool, cool. All right. See you guys. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> you cut that out already. <laughs>